0: Good evening and welcome to Mets 360 here on CAST. I'm your host Brian Jura and I know it's been a while and the Mets have done really good since the last time that we did one of these podcasts. They went 15-1 and at one point and now they're in the latter stages of 25 consecutive games against teams with a a winning record uh, above 500 and they're going to end that 25 game streak with a three game set against the Dodgers this weekend at City Field and I'm going to bring on uh, my buddy Bob here in just a minute and he's on tonight uh, because he's a a lifelong Dodger fan I think he's uh, got a little bit of the uh the Grateful Dead follows them around and uh, watches them play wherever he can. I think he was there when they uh, clinched the division uh, a couple of days ago. So we'll get to talk to to Bob about some of his uh, experiences with the Dodgers uh, throughout his lifetime of following them. But... I want to talk a little bit more about Bob. He's a a well rounded uh, sports professional. I met him when he was the uh, sports information director at Greensboro College. He's held uh, several similar gigs to that. Uh, And one thing that he's doing now, which I find very fascinating, is he's working for the High Point Rockers, which is a member of the Atlantic League. And I'm sure you know that the Atlantic League is involved in some very uh, interesting test situations uh, in conjunction with Major League Baseball. So let's bring Bob on. Bob, thanks so much for joining us tonight.
1: Thank, thank you for having me, Brian. And hello to all the great New York Mets fans out there.
0: There might be one or two. All right, so I was just mentioning about uh, you, your work with the Atlantic League, and uh, for those who don't know, the, the Atlantic League is partnered with Major League Baseball, and essentially the Atlantic League is acting like a guinea pig for some rule changes that MLB is thinking about instituting. um, and one of those, probably the biggest one, is they're experimenting with a type of automated strike zone. So can, can you talk a little bit about your experience um, in the Atlantic League and, and some of these rules?
1: Sure. We, in the Atlantic League we're, we're doing a number of, as you say, guinea pig type things. Um, some of the other things that they're doing include um, no shift, so you got to have two players on each side of second base, so no shifting. Um, they have another rule where you can actually steal first base. So let's say the count's 1-0 and a guy throws a wild pitch. A runner can actually run to first base and try to beat that throw. I've only seen it once. It's only happened once, but they uh, it a fast left-handed batter from one of the opposing teams out at High Point uh, last week, and, and he made it. But the big one and the one that um, I'm involved with, it's called Automated Balls and Strikes, and it's Major League Baseball um I'm actually working for major league baseball than rather than the the, the uh, high point rockers of the Atlantic League but we have two two gentlemen out there that are, are running this and two at each facility and um, we, we run a software program and it basically logs all the pitches has a different strike zone <laughs> use me for each um each batter so if you got um, a guy like Dave Winfield versus versus let's say Wally backman who who might be a little bit smaller he's going to have a different strike zone um but we go ahead and uh, uh run the software and it logs the pitches and we'll put in where the you know the the, the batter swung at the ball and it, it'll also give a little uh, ball or strike and then additionally the umpires have an ipod touch and they have a headset and they're hearing the same thing so um we've done it through most of the it was the beginning of the season. It was mostly just a test. We got the umpires hooked up around All Star Break, but it's been in full swing, and um, this is the last week in the Atlantic League. So um, we'll be out there this week, and the playoffs start. But it's been a fantastic experience. Um, if you're a baseball fan, you may you, you may love it, you may hate it, but um, I, I think it's been a, a joy to be a part of. It.
0: Now, I'm certainly 100% in favor of this. I think that asking uh, human umpires to call balls and strikes on roughly 300 pitches a game with all of the uh, impediments that they have to face they uh by necessity they're behind the catcher so they have an unobstructed view and then they have to wear a mask so they have an unobstructed view and then they have to call these 90 mile an hour fastballs and wicked curves in real time and you know wh- what happens if you have to sneeze or 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 otherwise blink and it would be so easy to to miss a pitch and i, I think that the, the issue with the umpires at the major league level is not one from lack of effort. I, th- I think that all of the umpires want very much to do the job right, and they put a ton of effort into what they do. It's just that we're asking them to do a job that humans aren't well suited for. So I, I welcome the automated strike zone with open arms.
1: Well, and I, I have to agree with you, Brian. You be you know, and I think I mentioned to you earlier that I can only say so much. I can't give too many details about how the systems work and what the players think, what the umpires think. But you have to remember too that um, I agree with you totally about the um, that that this you know the fact that you're behind the, the catcher and so forth. But these umpires too are proud people, and they get you know they've they've made their living you know calling balls and strikes. So. Um, But it's been a, uh, as I said, just been quite the adventure and and hopefully it'll it'll continue um, next year. And, you know, maybe we can get this uh, in the majors in a few years down the road.
0: Now, you brought up a very interesting point. You you threw out two players uh, quite different in stature, Dave Winfield, who is somewhere around six foot six, and Wally Backman, who, if he stood on his tiptoes, might be 5'11". And uh, obviously, the two of those players are going to have different strike zones. So do they already have uh, the strike zone kind of loaded into the system? Correct. Uh, or is it something... Okay, so... The, so there they, will
1: be, uh, if Brian Jura comes up to bat, you'll have... It, you, you know, we click on the player. We have a batting order in that software and it has you up there and you've got a different strike zone than I would, or, um, the Dave Winfield would or Wally Backman would. And Wally is actually one of the managers from the, uh, Long Island Ducks. So I've seen him a few times this year. So, um, but, uh, they, and that team is, you know, got a pretty good, uh, met following too. They've got, uh, uh, Mazzilli kid plays for them. So, um, uh, but uh, yeah, there is a different strike zone for every every player.
0: Now, do they do they take it even further? Uh, continuing on with your Wally Backman example, when Wally batted, in addition to not being as tall as a, as a Dave Winfield, he certainly batted with a crouch, a, a fairly pronounced crouch. So, how do they take the different? uh batting styles and saying because Wally Backman's crouch and and Carl Yastrzemski's straight up and down i mean th- that's a pretty big difference too isn't it
1: yeah and i am not sure that they've been able to uh totally rectify that um the the one thing is is that the the radar can't pick up whether let's say the pitcher bounces a ball and happens to go through the strike zone so the umpire is going to overrule that one but when they square a month too the umpire and will overrule uh, if he needs to be, because you're going to have a different batting style when you do square round of bunt. So the crouch is a great question, and it's one that's probably going to have uh, to be looked at down the road.
0: Now, I, I know that you're uh, limited somewhat in, in what you can answer, but I know that I read previously that the the umpires receive the, uh, the automated strike zone, you know whether it's a ball or a strike, but uh, they have, from what I read, they have the discretion to um, overrule that regardless of whether the ball bounced like the, the instance you just gave, or if they just feel like, no, I'm sorry, that was a strike. Um, well,
1: I think they're trying to get to where they're not over, you know, they're not overriding. You, you may get an umpire who, who, uh, you know, sees some egregious errors or the, the radar may be a little bit different one night, but, um, uh, they really want, they want him to try to incorporate the, the system. But like, if there's an egregious error, then, uh, they, they, you know, they, the umpire may
0: overrule it. Now, I'm trying to recall what the length of the contract between the Atlantic League and, and MLB was. Was it a two-year deal or a three-year? Do you know?
1: I'm not totally sure, but I believe, I believe it's a two-year deal.
0: So this system will be in place again next year in the Atlantic League from the start of the season, unlike this year where it was the second half. Is that your understanding?
1: That's my understanding, correct.
0: Well, this is a, a, uh, a fantastic it, it, it's like being on the new frontier uh, of baseball and, and I know that you mentioned some of the other ones that they're doing you know they're they're working hard to find a way to to make the Billy Hamilton's of the world worthwhile with that stealing first base thing so I mean I don't I don't mind that one so much I think the shift one is a little bit ridiculous but you know sometimes you have to try things and and maybe something that sounds great on paper doesn't work in reality and and uh, vice versa too, two i suppose so well, the one, um
1: the one that they didn't do this year was moving the mound back which i think is probably the most controversial one because how can you have a guy who's been pitching at 60 foot six inches for you know his whole you know 25 years of pitching and then all of a sudden he's going to move back and gets two feet or, or something but they, they push that one back to next year which
0: and, and i think that, that um what makes that even more difficult is that typically the players in the Atlantic League are older than uh, the the type that you would find if you would like an hour area if you went to go see the Greensboro grasshoppers you'd probably see kids who were twenty one twenty two there while if you went to see a, a rockers game, you'd probably see guys who are twenty eight or thirty so that's a,
1: that's a great point and one of the things that I was um, a little bit uh, surprised about was how let's say long in the tooth these, these, these guys are they they're in the Atlantic League because they're trying to get you know one last call up to AAA then hopefully make making it a major league baseball roster. Um, they might have a couple guys on the roster that are you know uh, in their low to mid20s but you know most of these guys are you know have been in been in the system you know a lot of them made ma- major League baseball AAA. Some, some single a few that have just played it played uh, independently too
0: well I mean, I think this is a fascinating subject, and I'm glad we were able to touch base on it. But I really want to talk about the Mets and the Dodgers because uh, you know they're getting ready to play the the big three game series, and for the Mets, it's certainly a uh, a proving uh, ground, if you will, because you know they they've held their own playing these teams who are above 500. But in all honesty, the Dodgers are the class of the National League, and you know it'll be real interesting to see them go head to head, especially given uh, some of their uh, <laughs> their recent play against the Dodgers. Um, but let, let's talk about um, the Dodgers first. Um, you know, they've they've clearly had the deepest roster, both hitting and pitching. But two of the guys that the Mets are going to see uh, in this series, Clayton Kershaw and uh, the Korean uh, Ryu, I believe. I'm the world's worst pronunci- pronunciator of names, so you'll correct me if I'm wrong. But those two guys were... Well, Kershaw obviously has been great for about a decade now. And Ryu might have been one of the uh, Cy Young Award uh, leaders um, through the end of July. But they both, in the last month or so, have, have really run into some difficulty. So what's going on with those two guys in the last month or so?
1: Well, I wouldn't be too concerned about Kershaw. He seems to have sort of settled into the fact that he doesn't have that, you know, 99 mile heater anymore and he's a consummate professional he'll be a hall of famer and he really has worked on his I think other pitches and game management and uh, you look at his record I mean but I I think that most Dodger fans are are concerned with Ryu and um, he I mean he was fantastic he started the all-star game and was off an incredible start and I think that was a surprise that he was so good because he was a back-end pitcher for the Dodgers. You know, he, he had battled injuries, but, you know, he was a number five starter at one point, came back, you know, was probably starting this year as a third or fourth starter and just pitched lights out. Um, but being a Korean pitcher, he's got different work habits and so forth. And the Dodgers have been very hands-off as far as, far as wanting to, you know, change anything with him because, you know he's done his own thing and it's worked well. Well, now you got to ask yourself: He's in this rut now. What is it that you know is that has caused him to you know be turned into a fantastic uh, start of an all-star game to a mediocre pitcher, which he's been probably for the last four starts or so. So um, it'll be really interesting to see how he pitches down the stretch. Um, they have Kershaw. They have um, Walker Buehler. And Rich Hill started tonight. He came back. Um, Kenta Maeda has moved to the bullpen. So, um, you know, it be real interesting to see how Ryu does down the stretch and, and really how, you know, did is he going to be, you know, he's a starter in the All-Star game, has been the number one pitcher. But once the playoffs comes, will the Dodgers put Kershaw or, or Bueller in the number one spot? And uh, I think that's really an interesting thing that we'll get to look at this weekend.
0: You mentioned the injuries that Ryu has battled uh, the last, I don't know, four or five years now, I guess. And I'm wondering if that's one of the, uh, the main causes of, uh, causes of his struggle now is just that he's reaching an innings plateau that he just hasn't reached here recently. And, uh, you know, he's, he's got to worry about his arm anyway. And then now all of a sudden he's logged, what, somewhere around 140 innings. And uh, uh, that's a lot.
1: Yeah, it's a, gr- it's a great point, and it's uh, kind of a similar thing that has happened to to uh, some of the Dodgers all-star pitchers of the past, like Alex Wood, or who's now with the uh, Cincinnati Reds, and uh, Ross Stripling, who is uh, a reliever now, who he's just come back from injury too. But, you know, you, you get these guys, and, and you give them the chance to start, and they pitch all these innings, and 162-game season, um, and, and Ryu's, you know, if you know Ryu, he's a big guy. Not only, you know, is he a tall uh, Korean left-hander, but he's also, you know, got a, a decent amount of uh, weight around the waist. So he, he doesn't have the greatest physique. So, you, you know, you do wonder, what, what, is, this a, is this an health issue? Is it an overuse issue? But um, I, I think the good thing about the Dodgers are they're in a position where they, they can work around it. They've really got a ton of depth in the starting pitching. And um, but uh, it would also be nice for them to see Ryu turn it around since he's had such a great year for them, and he's he's on a contract year next year, so it, it behooves him to uh, have a nice stretch run.
0: Yeah, that, that's something that I think that we should address. You know, we get so used to 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 thinking of these Asian pitchers as maybe a little undersized and and uh, very skinny guys, and of course the the poster boy for that is probably. Hideo Nomo, um, the, the Mets had a, uh, a I think he was a Japanese pitcher, uh, Masato Yoshi, who uh, fit that same style. But, but Ryu is a, another beast entirely. Uh, perhaps after his uh, MLB career is over, you know he can uh, put on a few pounds and, and uh, join the sumo division. Yeah, but he's Korean. That isn't sumo a Japanese? Uh, I I know I'm be, I'm being a racist pig. I apologize, <laughs> but he, he he's big. He he, he doesn't yeah. fit the stereotype. Yeah. Now def- definitely. Um, one thing that that um you know as a Met fan I'm I guess I'm kind of hopeful about is that because the Dodgers have already clinched a playoff spot, how how much effort and intensity are they going to put into this uh, into this series i think it's a lot more important for the mets obviously um trailing in the wild card race needing to win as many games as possible to to come away with at least one win in the, in this series but do, do the dodgers really care or, or are they more interested in making sure that people have rest and that they line up their pitching rotation the way that they like it
1: well i think that it's it's <coughs> a bit of a mix of both of them because they've only, they want to keep that home field advantage and they've only got a three and a half game lead on the Braves and the Braves have really, uh, they, uh, took it to the Dodgers in the series, uh, earlier, uh, you know, um, this past month. So, um, I think they're playing for that. You've also got guys who are playing for a postseason roster, you know, Jed Jericho, can he get on that roster? You know, can he knock someone like, um, Kike uh, Hernandez, off or, or you know, they've got. Um, they just brought up Gavin Lux, who is one of the top prospects in the um, in the organization, who's just wasn't planning on bringing him up at all this year. But he just hit the lights out in uh, AAA, so they decided, well, let's you know, give him second base. We're in the position where we're 18 games up. Uh, you know, we can tinker with these things. And the Dodgers have kind of been in this mode for the past two months. They've been so far the NL West has been so bad and they basically, you know, they didn't clinch it officially till yesterday, but they've been, it was a foregone collusion, uh, uh, you know, a few months ago. So they've been able to tinker. They've been able to to try Jock Peterson at first base, which, which was a terrible move. They've been <laughs> able to, you know, bring up uh, Tony Gonsolin and Dustin May as, as pitchers, you know, or give them some starts, bring them out of the bullpen. Um, traditionally, the Dodgers are, are very – demand versatility out of their players. So a lot of the players are you know, getting to play different positions, but, um, I think that they have, you know, really quite a bit to play for when you, even though you consider, you know, they're, um, quite a bit up and they've won the division. Um, you know, they still, still got pride and, you know, they got 95 wins, but, you know, can they, you know, can they get to 103 or what have you? So I, I, I don't see them, uh, phoning it in for the, for the Mets. And, uh, uh, it should be a great series.
0: Now you mentioned all of the uh, depth that the uh, Dodgers have accumulated over the last few years. And certainly that's something that the, the Mets are, are trying and, and I think to a certain extent s- succeeding with uh, here since uh, Brody Von Wagenen took over in that they have a much deeper roster, but it's still nowhere as deep as, as the Dodgers who, who may have uh, 37 starting pitchers and uh uh, 20, uh, outfielders. Uh, is there any worry, I guess, from keeping everybody happy? I
1: don't think so. Um, the, the team culture seems to be improved this year. And you have to wonder if that's, uh, partly because they've removed a certain Yossi El <laughs> And, uh, he, he, you know, he's such a, was such a lightning rod and an exciting player, but, um, didn't get a lot of, uh, of, uh, uh, Let's say respect for his uh, his uh, work in the, the uh, in the in the clubhouse. Um, but I think that they've got really good team chemistry. Guys know their role. Um, the, you know they've been able to stagger a lot of these pitching starts to save the starters. Knowing you know get a six man rotation going, string these guys along. Um, the September call ups make it even more so. Um, Justin Turner has got a, a a bad ankle. And so they're, you know, they're they're giving him some rest. Um, but uh, the, the the one weakness of the Dodgers is uh, is relief pitching. I think if there's anything that's going to come back to bite them, um, that that's probably what, what it's going to be. I don't see uh, offenses is stellar, defense is very good, starting pitching is good, um, but the, the bullpen has been the, really the bugaboo for the team.
0: Well, welcome to the club. I think every team in MLB can pretty much say that this year. Uh, bullpens a- across all of baseball have been horrendous. And, well, and, uh, you know, part
1: of it probably is that uh, the baseball itself, um, you know, everybody's given up a lot more home runs now. But, um, you know, Kenley Jansen has been, you know, just a, a top-notch, lights-out closer. He probably still, I would say, would probably be one of the top five closers in the game, but he just does not have what he had a few years back. So the, the Dodgers are probably going to do things a little bit differently. I would, I'm going to guess in the postseason, I don't know if they're going to rely on him totally each night for the, the close. They might go with, uh, you know, try to to, to, to get some three inning saves or, or, or get creative with some of the, the depth they have in the starters, but um, they've already decided that, well, he uh, Jansen pitched tonight and closed uh, against the, uh, the, the dreaded Baltimore Orioles and they won that game, <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, he probably will only get one close opportunity this weekend because they're gonna, they're trying to um, save his arm too. So he's that's I think part of the plan. Each home stand, he's just for each uh, series, he's just going to get one close opportunity to, to kind of save that arm.
0: Well, that's very interesting, and and uh, 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 the point is is well made about the the new ball and. The, the trouble that uh, all pitchers, but particularly relievers, seem to be having that uh, with that ball this year. But I know that as a Mets fan, I've always considered Kenley Jansen as uh, one of the most underrated closers in the game just because of his sheer and utter dominance against the Mets. So the fact that he may only pitch in one game um, this series is, is good news, news to, to, to my ears. But it's not well, just well, been... He- uh, Jansen, I mean, essentially it's been the entire Dodger team has been dominating the Mets ever since they met in the 2015 playoffs. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but uh, I think the Dodgers have won somewhere in the neighborhood of 80% of the games that they've played in, what is it, uh, three, four years now. So do you have any any explanation for this dominance?
1: I think just in general, Brian, that they uh, they, they've been pretty dominant winning series pretty much everywhere Um, up until I think they'd only lost two series through uh, through probably July. And then they've, you know, have lost a couple lost to Atlanta um, lost the previous series um, to, they lost to the giants, the rival giants and so forth. But um, you know, like I said, they have, they have really good starting pitching uh, really good, good defense. Bullpen, I guess, has been good enough to take care of the Mets. And and one under, underrated thing is I don't think they talk about is, I think, uh, Dave Roberts. I think Dave Roberts is a fantastic manager. He's probably my favorite uh, Dodger manager, maybe going back to even Tommy Lasorda. Um, he just is a, a real people person. And uh, he's the kind of manager that, uh, the you know, as a fan you like, And unless, of course, you read the the letter section, the LA times when they, they <laughs> hate everybody. Um, but, uh,
0: now, it, it's very interesting to, to come across somebody who actually enjoys their manager because if you're used to, to looking at the teams in the NL East specifically, the Mets fans don't like Mickey Calloway. Uh, Phillies fans don't like Gabe Kapler. Uh, Nationals fans don't like Roberts. So, um, excuse me, Martinez. So it, it's almost refreshing to hear a team say, yeah, we got a pretty good manager.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I, I think that I might... Speak for some Dodger fans, but I'm sure there's some that that, that that don't like them. But that's I think that's the nature of the beast too. But um, I'm not one of those ones to, you know, hate on the managers. Um, my second team is the is the Angels, L.A. Angels, and I've had friends who have hate Mike Sosha and, and you, you go to them and say, Do you remember what Angel baseball was like before Mike Sosha was the manager? So it's uh but I guess that's just part of the game, you know. Just like hate on the umpire, hate on the manager. Um, it's an emotional game, I guess.
0: Indeed. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, the the National League in general, specifically the uh, the Wild Card race. You know, we got the uh, Cubs and and Brewers in a tie. Uh, the Mets and the Phillies two games back, and uh, I think the Diamondbacks are three and a half back now uh, after their loss today. Uh, handicap that uh, NL wild card race, the, the the race for the second spot. We're going to assume that the Nationals are going to get the first spot. Who do you think is going to get that final spot?
1: That is a uh, quite the question. Uh, you know, you would think I would say the Brewers, but they just lost Christian who who is probably one of the top three players in the game now, which is a, is a shame. And the Dodgers had such a great series against them last year, but. I don't see them being as much of a threat without their best player. Um, it's just been up and down for Philadelphia and for, for your Mets. You guys have been hot. Um, I will say that from a Dodger fan, the last team that I do want to play, though, is are the Nationals since they have such strong starting pitchers, three three starting pitchers. But then again, they don't have Bryce Harper anymore. But um, they... As far as fearing a team in the first round, it would probably, since if the Dodgers hold up, they'll get the winner of the wild card. And as it stands now, the Braves would play the Cardinals. Um, I think I'd almost rather play the Cardinals than the, uh, than the Nationals in the first round.
0: Well, then you should be rooting for the Mets to uh, take the second wild card, since I believe we were 12-7 and seven against the Nationals this year.
1: Well, after this weekend, I will be on the Mets bandwagon.
0: <laughs> I dig it. So um, who do you think uh, of that group of teams that we were just talking about? Who, who do you think is the, the, the weakest link, if you will?
1: You know, you, Brian, I'm going to have to say you probably know these teams a lot better than I. I've got none of – I'm going to have to say that uh, probably the weakest link might be I'm just not sold on the Phillies, even though they have Bryce Harper.
0: The Phillies, uh, who uh, played as well against the Mets as the Mets did against the Nationals, I think the Mets are single-handedly keeping the Phillies in this race. Um, but they have such a good offensive team and such a disastrous pitching staff. And, you know, they they, they might make it to the wild card. They uh, They might win the wild card game. But they would have zero chance of winning any kind of series where, you know, someone besides Aaron Nola had to pitch for him. Their their pitching is just, uh, it's a dumpster fire. So, I, I mean, I think that the, the only answer really there is the Phillies or, or the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks were kind of an also-ran and then, I don't know, what was it, they, they, they won something like 13 out of 14 games, something like that, while the, the other teams were scuffling a little bit and they were able to jump into the race. But, well, you know, they just came into New York and the Mets swept them in four games. So um, Yeah, the
1: and, Diamondbacks uh, took, took a series from the Dodgers too. and. Uh, that uh, Archie Bradley looks like a totally different pitcher than earlier in the year. Um, And, uh, but yeah, kind of surprised to see them right there. What about the Cubs?
0: We, the Mets just played a, a series against the Cubs and the Mets have been a, a pretty good home team this year. And they're, they're, they're improving on the road, but they're still under 500 on the road. And and the 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 Cubs were uh, very similar. Uh, they were a very poor road team. So what did they do? They came into Citi Field and swept three games uh, against the Mets. I mean, they've had uh, a little bit of uh, injury problems, but I thought their pitching uh, was was better than than I was anticipating it to be so it'll be real interesting i, mean, I know that uh, zobrist is back now and uh, i believe it was uh, anthony rizzo didn't play in in the met series either and he's back now so they've got their uh, or close to their full contingent i guess javi baez is uh, on the shelf right now so um but you know they 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 controlled their own destiny and then they go out to San Diego and they lose two against the Padres team that they, they really should have beat handedly. So um, I don't know. And we were talking about managers before and, and the Cubs have somebody who I think that the majority of people think is a good manager in Joe Madden, but they seem ready to uh, part ways with him, which uh, it seems very surprising to me.
1: So Madden may leave and Bochy's going to be leaving the,
0: San Francisco Giants. Um, so, Bruce Bochi, I believe he was there for all three of the uh, the Giants World Series uh, uh, wins um, er- earlier in the decade. But he's got a losing managerial record. Um yep. So it'll, it'll be real curious to see um, when his time for the Hall of Fame comes up, if they, they look at the, oh, he's the guy who, who drove the Giants to, to three World Series titles in five years, or he's the guy who couldn't even make a 500 record.
1: That's a, that's a great point. And, boy, they they have been uh, pretty bad. And uh, you were, you spoke a little bit earlier, but last year I was able to, as it worked out, I went to the, Season finale when the Dodgers were were, you know, battling the Rockies for the National League West, and I was out in San Francisco to see the Dodgers sweep the um, the uh, Giants, which was beautiful because I had so many of my friends from San Francisco Bay Area with me. But uh, boy, they were they, they they really they really hit uh, rock bottom. And, uh, but what a beautiful park and what a beautiful weekend that was for me going three and zero.
0: Now I believe that the uh, the Giants uh, reached over into the uh, the Dodgers and uh, picked an ex Dodger to be their their team president or general manager whatever his title is, yes. and it, it'll be real curious to see. Uh, you know, he was kind of in a in a bad spot at the trading deadline this year because I think approaching the deadline, they thought they were going to trade some of their established stars, most particularly Madison Bumgarner. But then they went on a hot streak, and they looked like they might make the playoffs, and they really couldn't. Do that trade, and then they fell off, and now they're stuck holding the bag, as it were. So it'll be real interesting to see how the the Giants pursue their their rebuild, and if they try to do something similar to what the Dodgers did.
1: Yeah, I think they're going to be probably regretting that decision because um, I think it was a little bit of smoke and mirrors to get him there, and he went on a bit of a run, and then after it seems like right after the trade deadline, they went you know right back downhill. And uh, they don't have a deep farm system, and are you know not in a in a great place. So they probably could have used some of those uh, assets, uh, you know, in dealing uh, garner or,
0: or uh, their, their uh, relief pitcher Davis, I believe. Uh, uh, the the lefty, I'm I'm drawing yeah. a blank on his name yeah. right now. Uh, Smith is it? Will Smith. That's right. Will Will, uh, yeah,
1: Smith. Yeah. he was he was on the but they held on to both of them but you know it's also good for for it would be nice to see bump Gardner spend his whole career with the uh, you know with the the organization as i hope first does with the dodgers and syndergaard maybe does with the mets it's kind of nice to see that too
0: it's always tough to trade an, an icon and and I mean, we have to be honest, Bumgarner is an icon out in, in San Francisco. So it's very tough to, to deal away one of those guys. And then you put the fact that at the time of the deadline, he, he was, you know, the Giants were, were in a position. You know, they, 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 it's it's not like they were 30 and 70. I mean, they were right there. So I just think that uh, those two things combined together you know, kind of forced their hand. And like you said, they, they faded right afterwards and, and now they're going to pay the penalty for that, but there's the Giants, So who cares? Right. Well, I
1: think the, the one thing similar about the Mets and the Dodgers in that they're both in big markets, you know, when, when Frank McCourt sold the Dodgers, the Dodgers had to make some trades to get some players because they were, you know, decimated and they got handler Ramirez and, and, uh, Adrian Gonzalez and these stars because they needed they needed someone to compete and they, they you know they spent the money um, had a huge payroll to try to be competitive because you know if you're if you're the Dodgers you're wanting 3.5 million fans to go through the turnstile so there's that demand that you can't get, you can't be a 65 win team and I think the same is similar with the Mets you know you you, you won't let the team be terrible you demand that
0: you know, if they got a chance or uh, to compete, you know, you want them to compete. Well, um, that. Brings to mind several different things, and then of course um, the Dodgers were extremely fortunate in that they were able to get rid of their less than desirable owner in Mr. McCourt, while the Mets are still stuck with the Wilpons. You know, the hope was that the the Madoff scandal, the Ponzi scheme, would be their downfall, but it didn't turn out that way. And uh, the Wilpons, you know, they're, they're not as well funded as perhaps some other owners are, and they don't have the vision to uh, spend money to make money. You know, they've they've uh, they've got a you know a, a bottom of the top one third tight payroll. They probably got they're probably in that tenth or twelfth range, and the Dodgers are you know in the top three, and and that's certainly where the Mets should be top five at least. But uh, you know the the Dodgers, in a sense, can outspend their mistakes, and and the Mets can't do that.
1: Well, the, and the the thing about the Dodgers is, they're now, you know, they were during those years I was talking about the beginning of this seven year NLS West run. They they were number one payroll in baseball because they had to have a lot of dead money to get these other players and so forth. But now they're they're being a lot more more frugal. You know, they're not. You know, they didn't get Bryce Harper. Uh, didn't want to sign Manny Machado. Thankfully. Um, you know, and they're doing things more uh, with a little more uh, fiscal responsibility and they've got more of just the team chemistry. They went out and, you know, instead of getting Bryce Harper, they got AJ Pollock who I think kind of struggled and got hurt at first, but you know, then they had one of their uh, rookies come up, Alex Verdugo, and just play phenomenally. And he's, he's, um, he's been hurt too. So hopefully they'll get him back for this stretch run too. But, um, You know, they've just had a lot of different players who can who can step up and and perform in addition to having an MVP caliber uh, player like uh, Cody Bellinger.
0: You know, let's talk about Bellinger for just a second. He was he was very good last year, but it seems like the the improvement he made from last year to this year is is just it's amazing. I mean, I don't even know what other word you, you can talk about. And not only is it offensively, it's defensively too. And it seems like you can put him pretty much anywhere on the field, and and he excels. Tell me what you see when you watch uh, Bellinger.
1: Well, you mentioned uh, you mentioned it, Brian. But one thing you didn't mention was he's also the fastest player on the team too. So, I mean, you talk about your five tool players. I mean, I think he's got All Star caliber if they play him at first base or in the outfield, and he's versatile. So they've been playing him in center field lately. Um, but he is just, you know, a fantastic player to uh, to have on your team. And, um, you know, that putting him in the outfield, you, you get a chance to, you know, get a David Freeze in the lineup who is just, he, he's a guy who, who's got to be on the postseason roster. He's just been so clutch. Um, Max Muncy's another guy who's just been, great uh, and if you look at the dodgers batting average it's not that great but look at the on base percentage a lot of, they, they really these guys really worked the counts um you know they got a game plan and um you know they hit a lot of home runs as well
0: now i'm i'm trying to to pull up the the stats for bellinger right now and perhaps has, the thing he,
1: he has tailed off a little i think he, i think he's only hitting 309 now but You know, he got off to that incredible start. He's 3.05 now, um, but he's got a 1.04 OPS um, and slugging 6.33 with 44 home runs, so um, 107 RBIs. So, yeah, those are definitely MVP-time numbers. And then Jelic goes down.
0: Um, Who would the competition be at this point? Or, well, uh, I mean, I think it I think, think Bellinger is going to win easy, but I do think that uh, uh, Marte in in Arizona deserves some consideration for his season, uh, as well as Freddie Freeman. I don't think Freddie Freeman has has gotten. We get so used to like, oh well, you know, yeah, that's just Freddie Freeman. That's just what he does. But he, Freddie Freeman is having a, a remarkable season and, and is certainly worth some uh, some MVP votes. But I've, I've got Bellinger's Fangraph page up. And the, the thing that, um, I guess, stands out to me is what an incredible um, uh, improvement he made in in his strikeout rate. La- last year, he, he struck out nearly 24% of the time. And, and this year, it's, it's just a shade over 16%. And uh, players just don't do that, <laughs> you know, uh, to, to have the type of year that, that he's having. And cutting his strikeouts, too. Uh, it, it's simply amazing. And, uh, you know, maybe that uh, goes a long way to uh, I- explaining a 160-point increase in his slugging percentage. So, I mean, he, he, he single-handedly won, I think, one or two of the games when the the Mets played uh, out in L.A. earlier in, in the season. Um, fantastic player, a joy to watch.
1: He, he definitely is. And um, Corey Seager has really on, of late too. He, I thought he was the Dodgers' best position player last year, before he got hurt, and he has hit uh, a two-homer game earlier this week. Um, but they have a, you know, if you look at the roster, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven guys with ten or more home runs. One guy with nine home runs. Um, they got one, two, three, four, four guys with twenty or more home runs already. So. Um, they broke the record dodger record anyway of home runs in a in a year uh, so but I guess that's the that, thats the thing of baseball hopefully we can maybe get those seams not wound quite as tight last year because I think all of us prefer baseball with the
0: maybe a a few a few fewer home runs there you go. Now you mentioned uh, the Dodgers' great streak ever since they got rid of McCourt, and was it seven straight uh, NL West uh, um, titles? I believe that's correct. So the the uh, the the flip side of that is you don't want to be the the 1990 Braves, where you you make the playoffs every year, but you barely ever make the World Series, and you only win one. So. Is this year a failure if the Dodgers don't win the World Series?
1: Well, my, my San Francisco Giant fans who, who rip me all the time will say it is, but I I don't look at it that way. I mean, the, the, the baseball season's a long season, and if you have 100 wins during the year, if you make it to the World Series, I was fortunate enough to go to my first World Series game last year in Boston, and they lost the game I went to, but it was still, you know, for me, a, a, a great year. I think they're gonna they're gonna break through. Hopefully this year. I, I honestly thought this year's team was the most talented team. Um, a little concerned lately, just in the pitching. But you have to wonder. You know, as part of that, the fact that they've you know pulled away. Um, but uh, you know, my glass is half full. I don't think that the Buffalo Bills fans from the was that the 1990s are, are mm-hmm. a bunch of losers, and uh, they, they brought a lot of. Uh, joy and and wins to to, to their fan base and uh, um, I mean if you get if you get to so it's been since 1988 that's a lot of years but you know they've, they've had a lot of postseason ex- um, a postseason uh, experience two straight World Series I think they're gonna hopefully do it this year if not it you know that day is going to come it's not like a, the drought that the Cubs or the, the Red Sox had but uh, it, it, it'll
0: come All right, so uh, give me a prediction for our upcoming three game uh, Mets-Dodgers series. What do you see happening?
1: I see the Dodgers taking two of three. What about
0: yourself, Brian? Well, you know, as a a Mets fan, we need to win at least one. You know, we had, uh, the the Mets had a a very good streak and then uh, hosted the Braves and the Cubs in back-to-back series and got swept in both of them. And, you know, that certainly took a lot of wind out of their sails. And they've been trying to make up that ground ever since. And I think the last thing they need to do is, is square off against another top opponent and then get their lunch handed to them they need to be competitive and they need to come away with at least one win you know my my hope is that with uh like we mentioned earlier with kershaw and ryu maybe scuffling a little bit that uh, maybe they can steal one of those two games that'd be nice and and if they were somehow to to win two games that would be uh the, that would put me over the moon what about the uh, what's the status of this uh long ball hitting fellow named uh, Alonzo um, you know he he uh, every, everybody knew that he had the power to do this but the concern was that Major League Baseball uh, pitchers were going to be able to exploit him specifically with a, a up and in pitches and we've seen a little bit of that happening here in the second half but he is so incredibly strong that even when he doesn't make the ideal contact, hit it off the meat of the bat, he still has the potential to hit home runs. And uh, and we knew he was strong. We knew he had great power. I don't think we realized what great power he's had. And one thing that you have to understand is that the, the Mets single season home run record is before Alonso was a lot lower than just about any other teams out there and then he's he's already blown by that uh, i think he's got 47 48 now and 50 is a real possibility and and when i first started following the mets yeah you know, they they only had i think 3 players who would would ever hit more than 20 home runs in a season so okay. you, you know there's this power thing is 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 a little new to us and and uh we're we're all a little giddy about it is uh, city field considered a pitcher's park it it had been until this year uh if you look at some of the the splits from uh, the previous years um, certainly someone like Jacob Gram in his outstanding season, uh, Cy Young Award season last year, had numbers that, you know, in, in, in Citi Field that were phenomenal. Um, but I think it's played much more of a hitter's ballpark. There's been many, many, many more home runs hit there this year than, than before. And the Mets have had a, a better record this year than they they've had in in previous seasons in city field last year i believe they were over 500 on the road and under 500 at home so uh, that gives you an indication of uh you know how tough runs were to come by and uh the the mets have always been uh you know under the, under sandy alderson they were a team that embraced the home runs and if the home runs weren't coming they were in a lot of trouble so um uh, uh that that fact in the the city field and and city field they they've brought in the fences twice and the park is i think this is the 11th year of the park so that that gives you an indication of of uh, you know it was certainly uh, a pitcher's ballpark when it was first constructed so i
1: understand this uh, bobby Benea fella is still on the payroll is there a chance we might see him pinch hitting this weekend or
0: well you, before the 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 walking wounded uh started returning you know that might not have been a bad <laughs> idea at, at one point they were uh uh starting uh you know Luis guillorme and uh joe panic and uh, juan Lagares, so you know they were they were starting three guys who essentially hit like pitchers so but you know we've gotten jeff mcneil is back from the from the injured list as well as Robinson Cano and Brandon Nimmo so the 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 Mets are are relatively healthy and you know everyone likes to use Bobby Benea as a punching bag and the LOL Mets and and all of that but I think there there's two things that are really important to keep in mind and the first is that they restructured that contract and the money that they freed up allowed them to get Mike Hampton who took them to the World Series and then Hampton left the following year as a free agent and the compensation pick that they got for Mike Hampton leaving was David Wright. So, you know, that worked out pretty well for the Mets. And the other thing is that all teams have contracts that are like this. and you know the Braves are going to be paying Bruce Souter more money for a longer period of time than the Mets are paying Bobby Bonilla but you never hear about hey it's Bruce Sutter day you know it, it's just that's just the uh, the curse of the Mets it's it's a Mets hating world bob you know you need to promote that part of the story but well, you know it's the and it's prob- probably was good business for them
1: to pay him over a period of time rather than give him
0: oh absolutely those millions a- absolutely time. and and to circle back to something that we talked about earlier when they made this decision they were also raking in some of the uh, guaranteed returns from Bernie Madoff so if you're getting guaranteed returns of 12% from Bernie Madoff and you're paying Bobby Benea deferred money at 8% you're coming out ahead of the game so you know it, it may not have been the best thinking you know counting on a pyramid scheme a uh, ponzi scheme but you know, at least there was some level of thought in there.
1: That uh, I learned something tonight about the the Bobby
0: Bonilla debacle. And you know. The, he that was his second go-round with the Mets they had signed him as a free agent and then they traded him to the Oreos and then he circled around and came back to him but he what people everyone forgets is he was really good in his first stint with the Mets so you know there was logic in signing him the second it, it didn't work but again there was some level of thought that went into it
1: yeah he was he was a real good ball player there
0: for quite a while wasn't all right, well, Bob, I, I think that's uh, about all the questions I have for you. Is there any uh, last thought that you'd uh, like to share, uh, Mets or Dodgers or baseball related? No, nothing at all. Just enjoyed uh,
1: talking baseball with you, Ryan, and hopefully we'll get to do it again.
0: Outstanding. That's uh, Bob Lowe. Uh, among many hats he wears, he he works for the, uh, the High Point Rockers. Uh, so uh, good luck at the uh, – you said you were in the playoffs, right? Yes. Yeah, so will they start uh, next week? All right. Well, go Rockers, and, and let's uh, uh,
1: let's if uh, the if the Mets make it to win that wild card, let's get back on and do a quick one before the the series if they happen to come to L.A. Count on it.
0: Count on it. Okay. Well, All well. right. Thanks so much, Bob. All right. Have a good night. Good night, everyone. <laughs>